1: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Hello and happy Friday. I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. One of our episodes this week was about Mississippi Freedom Summer. Uh, We mentioned a couple of times in the episode, the podcast, uh, Seen on Radio and their series, The Land That Has Never Been Yet, and their episode on Freedom Summer, Something we didn't mention, but which I watched as part of the research and background into all of this, was the Freedom Summer documentary that came out in 2014 and was aired on PBS American Experience. You can currently watch it on the PBS website. Um, That has a lot of interviews with people who were involved and archival footage from the time. That is where I heard that, uh, that phone call between Johnson and Hoover about Rita Schwerner. One of the things that was really striking to me about this particular documentary is it reinforced how young everyone was Um, because this took place in 1964. A lot of the volunteers were in their early 20s. A lot of the organizers were maybe into their later 20s. So people were doing these interviews when they were, um, you know, in their 60s. Uh, Everybody looked really young Except for Pete Seeger, who is also (laughs) interviewed um, because of his work with music during the Civil Rights Movement, and Pete Seeger looked ancient. He was significantly older than a lot of the other people interviewed, but it was just this huge contrast of, like, number one, reminding me of how recent this was and how young everyone was, and then also this contrast of, like, and then here's Pete Seeger, who looks like a grizzled old man.
1: (laughs) Aw. Pete. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Every time I come across something about Pete Seeger, I'd like kind of go, I want to do an episode about Pete Seeger one day. Yeah. Yeah. This episode,
1: like many, it is hard. I I will give us away and say that we <laughs> had to stop a number of times. Yeah. Uh, I get so angry. I start to cry sometimes, which is mm-hmm. uh, not fun, uh, but I think understandable. I imagine listeners sometimes experience the same things.
0: Yeah. Um
1: oh, humans.
0: Yeah, one of the things that's frustrating for me is the thing that we touched on at the end about um, how there is still a lot of voter suppression and a lot of discriminatory laws surrounding voting um, that still exist today and have been sort of creeping forward in a lot of ways um, with the most recent presidential election being so focused on, like, unfounded allegations of fraud that nobody has actual evidence that holds up for um, and a fear that that trend is going to escalate, like, that that is a response to, to baseless accusations of fraud there will be further laws to make it harder for people to vote that are probably going to disproportionately affect the people that have historically had the hardest time voting already.
1: I hope not. But yes, that is an ongoing fear as well. Yeah. Again, so angry. Tears.
0: (laughs) We've gotten a couple of emails from people when we have previously referenced the unsubstantiated allegations of fraud from people who have been really angry about how we need to tell both sides of the story. So I just want to take a moment and say that there aren't two sides of this story. (laughs) There just aren't. There is the true side, which is that there are baseless allegations of fraud that have really sowed a lot of doubt in a lot of people's minds, but like... Unsubstantiated means unsubstantiated. Yeah, and in some cases, demonstrably false. Um... So, like, that has just made the whole thing deeply frustrating and frightening in terms of, like, what happens next in terms of um, the idea that we're supposed to be a democracy where everybody can vote and whether that is true or not.
1: I feel like we should say something peppy here at the end because it's I know, Friday. Because I
0: like, <laughs> normally we get to the end of these and I kind of go, that feels like a good stopping place. And, like, that felt like a stopping place, but not necessarily a good one. Right. Um. I imagine our email and Twitter mentions will be full of, well, actually, emails from people saying that you have to have an ID to write a check, so why not to vote? And uh, man, there's just so much information on that. <laughs> Easily available on the internet. <sighs>
1: what? Information? What?
0: Yeah. So, Holly, you you mentioned that there were some times that there were just, um, like, angry tears and we had to take a minute. And often when there is something really sad happening in an, in an episode you have a trick that you do to try to 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 sort of compartmentalize it in your mind
1: right that helps me get rid of it it doesn't work when you're already angry and not sad <laughs> which is that normally if i am weepy over something in an episode i pretend i'm b arthur because B wouldn't cry; she would get mad and address the problem. But when you're already angry, that doesn't fix it; <laughs> It's just get <getting> more mad. <laughs> just stay mad. My my other trick is to think of odd Star Wars characters that make me laugh, and yeah. sometimes that works in a situation like this. But really, B Arthur is always the good go to, and it doesn't it doesn't work in this scenario.
0: Yeah. This week we talked about W. Montague Cobb. And I just want to tell the story of how this wound up finally on my episodes to do. Often, when I am out and about in the world, which of course is not something that's really happening now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm obviously not laughing at the pandemic, just that we all have come to just live in this strange time where we're like, I guess I live in my house all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, in, uh, in the before times... Um, If I would be out and about somewhere and I would see something that caught my eye for a potential podcast subject, I would just put it in a note in my phone. Uh, Because uh, a lot of times if I am out and about in the world, I'm taking a break. I don't want to devote a whole lot of mental time and space to work, but I also don't want to lose ideas that I I stumble across that seem like they could be really interesting. So then the downside to that is Sometimes years will pass between when I put something in a note in my phone and when I put the phone notes into any kind of more usable list of ideas. So back in, I think, 2018, you and I were in Washington, D.C. for a tour. And I went to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. And I wrote down like six or seven things uh, on a little note in my phone, W. Montague Cobb was one of them. I have no recollection of what the context was, like what specific thing I had seen at the museum that made me go, oh, this would make a really good topic for the show. Um, but I did not actually put the the note that I took into, a you know, a place where I would see it on a regular basis, like on my computer at work, uh, until late 2020. So years passed between when I made that list and when I actually made the list into something more recognizable. Uh, I did a just a bulk pass through the phone to put all the ideas that I had jotted down out in the world into my actual like short list of ideas. Um, and a, a one of the things that I thought was a list of topic ideas that I had seen somewhere was actually locations from Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's how finally. Finally, more than two years of after uh, having having seen something that sparked my attention in Washington D.C., finally got to this episode.
1: I um I never move them off the phone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I put them on the phone, and I just
1: now have a list on my phone. And I don't usually put context, so it's like a second layer of fun discovery when I go, what is what is that person saying? What is that word about? And then I'll look it up online and go, oh fascinating. Good job me putting it on a list so I think I will do an episode now.
0: Yeah, I was pretty much uh scanning back through my short list including the uh the late last year transferred over um from the phone topic ideas and I was like, "Oh yeah, this does sound really interesting. Let's do this right now." <laughs> um one thing that we did not get into in the in the episode. We alluded to it a little bit. We didn't really go into it in a lot of detail. Was that Cobb was really focused on uh, the needs of uh, Black doctors and Black patients and Black people as a whole. That was something he was obviously focused on, and it really makes sense that he would be focused on. And if there was anything that I could see as like a a shortcoming in his work, it was that he did not seem entirely conscious of the fact that uh, Indigenous people were also still living in large numbers. Um, like, I would in- occasionally find he would be describing sort of the state of medical care, and some of his descriptions of, uh, of like, the, the needs of Indigenous patients um, would sound kind of dismissive. It, it sounded sort of like, well, but they're not. There aren't many anymore. That's, like, not really so much of a concern, but it definitely was and is still a concern. And I think that was just a, you know, sort of a trickle-down effect of his own focus in his own life experience and his own immersion in the world that he was immersed in. I generally love the idea that during cadaver labs, maybe the anatomy professor would be uh, playing the violin to try to keep everyone relaxed. (laughs) Um, I have never done a cadaver lab, but I have watched uh, like recorded video of cadaver labs uh, when I was taking a, a... an anatomy course of that uh, level. And um, it wasn't that it was a stressful experience, but I can just see it being nice to have some musical accompaniment to kind of occupy a part of your mind during all that.
1: I feel like that is something that should be adopted for like any kind of lab where you're not necessarily interacting with language while you're doing it, right? Um, like a geology lab, also perfectly great when you do <laughs> analysis of, of for example, pictures of the night sky in an astronomy lab. I would love to have someone playing violin for any of that in my classes. That sounds amazing.
0: <sighs> so yeah, um, he seems to have had a very larger than life personality in a lot of ways, uh, including playing the violin for his dissection labs. Uh, so. It's Friday. Whatever's coming up for your weekend, I hope it goes as well as possible. Uh, If you'd like to drop us a note about anything, we're at HistoryPodcast at iHeartRadio.com. And you can subscribe to the show on the iHeartRadio app and Apple Podcasts and anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake Kits...